Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Do you remember those commercials on television where the guy starts out by saying, I'm not a real doctor, but I play one on television. Does, did, did that bother anybody but me? It's like, and now you're going to tell me about a medication that I should take? I, I'm sorry, you may be a great actor, but you're not a physician. Therefore, if, if, if I want advice on medication, I think I'll, I think I'll inquire of a, a legitimate doctor. But the reality is that they know that people will see that and they will think, oh, yeah, I, I, boy, he is so competent as a physician on that program. <laughs> so that must carry over into every area of his life. So I'm going to pay special attention to that person. And that goes to, uh, uh, to the whole issue of... Uh, Uh, of the fact that false information travels much faster than the truth. And so it becomes more imperative for us if we want to be confident in the choices and the decisions that we make to understand the credentials behind the person making the claim. If I want medical advice... I'm going to go to a doctor that has the appropriate credentials and education. If if I need a plumber, I'm going to go to Rick Phipps, who after today, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to because Rick and Patty are leaving us. This is their last Sunday. They're moving to Indiana? If you needed a plumber before they left, Rick would be the guy to call because he knows his craft. You know, we have these specialists and those are the ones that you want to seek out so that you can press on with whatever it is that you're going to do with confidence and assurance that the people that you are leaning on are capable of what they claim to be and do. How different is that from our faith, people? We need to press on, and we can press on, with confidence because of who Jesus is. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're, We're coming up for air, finally, uh, we've, been, uh, we've been swimming in the deep end of the pool these last uh, couple of uh, Sundays, and, uh, and the author of Hebrews is now bringing us up for a, for a, breath, of, uh, a breath of air uh, and some, some practical application. The, the author has, and re- remember, the author of Hebrews is, is writing to predominantly a, uh, a group of believers whose background is Jewish. They are Jewish background believers. And, uh, and there, is, there is some persecution that they are experiencing, unfortunately, uh, uh, from Gentile believers, which just kills me 
because the covenant that the Gentiles were grafted into was a covenant that was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So there's some, there's some pressure there because the Gentile background believers are, are trying to convince them to give up their Jewishness. And, and there's secular pressure uh, to just, you know, be a part of uh, what everybody else is doing, just assimilate into the local culture. So they're, they're, they're receiving these pressures on, on, on either side, and the Jewish communities that have yet to embrace Christ as Messiah are saying, come on back. Come on back into this old system. Come on back into the sacrificial system where, where you bring the blood of goats and bulls annually so that you can know that you are forgiven. But of course, what the author of Hebrews explains is that the blood of goats and bulls does not forgive. It only reminds the worshiper of the need for forgiveness. Because when we are honest with ourselves, when we take a step back and and examine our lives, we know. We know. And and how do we deal with what we know about ourselves? The author has taken great pains to say we know because of who Jesus is. We know because Jesus is far superior to to the angels. Jesus is far superior to Moses. Jesus is far superior to any earthly high priest that may have been ordained through the line of Aaron. Jesus is the high priest who offers himself as a spotless sacrifice. He offers his own blood for our cleansing. And in doing that, he he breaks through that barrier and brings us into the very presence of God with this new covenant that was poured out in his blood, a covenant, uh, a, a last will and testament, if you will, that he himself, through the power of the resurrection, adjudicates. He advocates on our behalf. Therefore, therefore, the author writes for us in this 10th chapter, looking at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up 
meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So these are the practical applications that follow the deep theology that the author of Hebrews has walked us through. So as we look at these verses, we need to be asking ourselves some questions. What do we yearn for? To what are we committed? And with whom shall we walk? What do we yearn for? To what are we committed? And with whom shall we walk? The author reminds us that we can have confidence to enter into the very presence of God because of Jesus Christ, who he is, because he has opened up this new way. And so we are encouraged, we are encouraged by the author to draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. What do we yearn for? What is that that we long for? What do we put our whole heart and soul into? Well, it depends on who we are. And it depends on what our goals and our objectives are. As we've worked our way through this, I, I've encouraged us to remember that God has placed a call upon each of our lives, but there is also a calling that each one of us has. And, and I would suggest and have suggested that the call is based on the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us. And each of us has a gift that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. And they're all different. And you can read about the various gifts that the Holy Spirit gives in the 12th chapter of Romans, uh, in the 12th chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians. Some of those gifts are administration. Administration is a gift. Trust me, if, if you don't have that gift, you want to know somebody that has it. But there are gifts of hospitality. There are gifts of generosity. There are gifts of healing. There are gifts of compassion. There are gifts of, there are gifts of service. There are gifts of, of generosity and, and, and hospitality. Those are different in the body. And the body is made up of different gifts. Someone asked me just yesterday, they said, what are the opportunities uh, for involvement here at Grand Memorial? How, how, do you, uh, how do you work that out? And I, and I said, well, you know, I was reminded of a story when I was asked under some hostile conditions to describe the perfect church. And, 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 and I think it was a, for me, it was a Kairos moment. It was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit was right there that said, David, say this. And I said, to me, the perfect church is one in which every single member understood what his or her spiritual gift was and was actively engaged in using that and learning it and developing it in their lives. And there was dead silence. And the person who asked the question said, well, that's a pretty good answer. 
much shorter than I expected. But when we talk about our call, our call is based upon the individual gifts that God has given to us. The calling we share. We all have the same calling, and that is to pursue the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the fifth chapter of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is, you've heard me say this so many times, you ought to be able to just rattle it off with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And we need to be... We need to be using the gifts that God has given us, our call and our calling to glorify the Lord. Now, that call extends into your vocation. Whether you are a doctor or a plumber or a pilot or a ship driver or a baker or a teacher or an attorney, whatever it is that your call is, whatever God has gifted you, whatever he has placed upon your heart, you have opportunity to honor and glorify God in what you do by doing the best that you can, honestly, ethically, intentionally, consistently. When someone sees you, they see, that's a person that I trust. That's a person in, in whom I have confidence. They are a person of integrity. And then maybe at some point, hopefully, they will find out, wow, what, what is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you to, to, to the excellence that you strive for? Always be ready, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you, yet with gentleness and respect. What motivates me and what drives me to excellence, to be the best that I can be, is because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what? I am not on some kind of a treadmill trying to earn God's favor. But through Jesus Christ, I know that I am forgiven. And I know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can live into God's presence and kingdom each and every day. And you know what? They may just laugh. They may scoff. They may turn away. But you have planted a seed. Because what they cannot deny is your character. What they cannot deny is your integrity. What they cannot deny is the ability and the consistency and the excellence that you bring to your call. With a sincere heart, we pursue both our calling and our call because of the full assurance of faith that we have. And that word faith can be fickled. You know, some people think, oh, you know, you have faith in what? Pie in the sky, by and by. No, 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 no. We, 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 I have faith, I have faith uh, in, 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 in his abilities as a musician because I, I know Danny and I know the training that he has had, but I also have faith in him as a professional. I, I have faith in, in Rick because I know what, what he does and, and how he does it well. And this Rick as well and, and, and Steve and Diet And those of you that I know, I know what you do and so I have faith in you because you have demonstrated yourself to be faithful and capable in what it is that you do. 
I have faith in Jesus Christ because he is an historical person. He lived. He showed us in through the, in through the incarnation, he showed us the face of God. He taught us how to live with one another and how to approach a holy God. This is historical. I, I know his credentials. And then he did die on the cross. And he shed his blood. He told his disciples before it happened when he celebrated that last supper with him. Why do we call it the last supper? Because it was the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. He instituted a new sacrament. This is my body, broken, given for you. My blood poured out as a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. These are, these are facts. These are in the history books. Do people argue with them? Sure, there's a cartoon that uh, a couple of people have given to me, uh, uh, a little kid standing in front of his parents saying, why is it that I have to give up my imaginary friend, uh, 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 my invisible friend? You can't see my invisible friend, but I can't see your invisible God. How do you answer that? Do you know what? I can't see the wind either. But I look and I see its effects in the world around me. I see the impact of God in our lives. That just affirms who he claims to be. What he did on the cross. Dying, the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit that we celebrate today in our call and our calling. As a means through which not only can we be transformed, but we can impact the world for God's glory. That's the power that rose Jesus from the grave that is at work within us. And he is in the heavens right now, sovereign over all, everything. I love the beginning of Hebrews where the, where the, where the writer uh, says this. This is so great. The sun, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. That's my faith. I hope that's your faith. It's important for us to understand that our theology gives a foundation for that which we yearn in terms of excellence in everything we do as a commitment to the Lord and to yearn for the Lord and to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, that's dealing with our emotions. And our, and our faith, our faith is, is not based on emotionalism, but we are emotional beings. As it's been said, feelings... Make great servants, but lousy masters. So we yearn, we yearn uh, uh, to cultivate and develop that love for God because God has given us so much as, as creating us in his image, giving us a, a, a world in which I, all the raw materials and resources were there to bring us to where we are today. Some might see that's a good thing, some might see that's a bad thing. Certainly, we've not used all of God's gifts to honor God. But you know what? The reality is, I don't care what any, you, no, I don't care how beautiful something is in life. I don't care how beautiful it is. Never underestimate the capacity of a human being to make it ugly. 
And if anybody, if anybody ever wants to deny, are we basically good or, 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 or are we basically, if anybody ever wants to deny the, the depravity of humanity, there's your example. Nothing, I don't care how good it is, uh, is uh, impervious to a human being to take it and make it ugly. But my faith, my faith is based in who Jesus is. My faith is based on the fact that we've been created. Yes, there was a fall. I understand that. But at, at a point in time, there was redemption. We have that. And now we are involved in the process of restoration. That's what my faith is. That's where my faith is. And with that assurance of faith, and then having our hearts uh, sprinkled and, and cleansed from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, that is, that is a reference to the, to the sacrificial systems in which the priest had to ceremonially bathe himself before he was worthy of offering the sacrifice on behalf of Israel. But that was merely an external cleansing. Now the author of Hebrews, leaning on that understanding, says that there is an internal cleansing that now happens through the person of Jesus Christ, which, which underlies my commitment to him. Not only do I yearn for God, not only do I long for God to be more visible, more, more, uh, uh, more apparent, more active in my life, but I'm committed. I'm committed to the course of action of being part of the restoration that God is doing in and through his people. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We shift now from faith to hope. And you've heard me say this before. Paul says the greatest, the greatest three things are faith, hope, and love. Faith is based in, on events in the past, things that have happened. Hope is what is coming. You can't sit around hoping for a better past. And how many people get caught up in that cycle? Our faith is in who Jesus is. Our hope is in the promise of the already but not yet. The redemption is ours. The restoration is in process. We are not yet what God created us to be, but by his grace, we are no longer what we once were. It is that hope that we have, that we are moving forward, that God's plan is unfolding, that undergirds our commitment and, 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 and allows uh, that love within us for God and for one another to grow and to flourish to hold unswervingly. I'm going to stand on my position no matter what. You know, and I, it's, it's kind of humorous, but there's, a, there's a, uh, uh, a naval vessel that is on a collision course with, a, with a, uh, another object, and they send out the radio signals that says, U.S. naval vessel uh, heading your way, uh, change course. And the signals come back. Uh, U.S. Lighthouse suggests you change course. <laughs> you know, we can get so fixated on who we are and where we are that we lose track of that which that is solid. 
That, I'm going to tell you what, that, that lighthouse isn't going to go anywhere. And that's how our faith needs to be. We need to, we need to, we need to hold on to it unswervingly, no matter what the culture throws at us, to make sure that our hearts and our minds are focused on Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. That's our commitment, and that's what we yearn for. With whom, with whom do we walk? Let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds. So in this passage, we have faith, we have hope, and now we have love. Faith is, is, is in the past, hope is in the future. And where do faith and hope collide? In the present moment, and that's where we love. This is the only moment we have, folks. And so the question is, uh, uh, how do we do that? How do we encourage one another? Let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds. Not as a means of, of, of earning more favor with, with God. I just, I just watched uh, with my son-in-law. He'd never seen The Great Escape. Remember the, Steve McQueen, The Great, great, great Escape? Uh, there's a great spot in there where uh, James Gardner, he's a scrounger. And he's working, a, he's working a guard. He's trying to befriend him. And, uh, and so they're, they're in, the, in the barracks. And, uh, 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 and he, he, he makes a statement. And the, uh, and the German guard says, oh, you, you're, you're American. He goes, yes, I'm an American. I learned that when I was in the Boy Scouts. And the German guard, he brightens up. He says, oh, he says, I was in the Boy Scouts. I had 19 merit badges. And James Gardner's character goes, I had 20. <laughs> I mean, you know, just, and you just see, you just see the guard's face deflate. Oh, yeah, I was working on the 20th one when they abolished the Boy Scouts and sent me to the Hitler Youth. But the, the power of words in how we encourage one another toward love and good deeds. The good deeds are not like merit badges. You get so many merit badges, you get to become... An Eagle Scout, you know, and I don't want to diminish the, the Scouts in any way, shape, or form. But so many people think that in order to have a right relationship with God, i got to get 20 merit badges. No, that's not why we love and do good deeds. We're not trying to, we're not trying to earn, but that doesn't alleviate us of the, of the responsibility to put forth effort. The earning and the effort are two different things. We encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, again, out of gratitude. And it is the gratitude that motiv motivates us to love and, and, to, and to offer good deeds to others because that's how we show God's love. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habits of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more until you see that day approach. And in my Bible, day is capitalized. In the, in the, in the, in the passage that Kimberly read for us this morning, this morning uh, from Joel, it talks about the day. And that's a day of judgment. When we talk about the return of Christ. And it's like when, when the, in the fullness of time when Christ restores everything. And we long for that. And it will be a glorious day for those of us who believe. Not so glorious for those who have not responded to God's loving invitation to receive freely forgiveness through Christ. There's a time span. We don't know how much time that is. But we find ourselves in the period of restoration. 
And so we close with this idea that, that we, we, we have the confidence to approach God, holding fast to our faith, and then living out our faith through love and good deeds to others. And we do that together. We cannot do it apart. We need each other, people. We need each other. Because it is together that we understand the gifts that God has given to us, unique gifts, so that we can encourage one another to cultivate the fruit that demonstrates God's presence, his transforming presence, not only in our lives, but in the world around us. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Uh, you know, as, uh, as I'm just thinking about this, this whole hour of worship and this passage of Scripture, and what, a, what, a, what a great song that you, that you sang at the beginning of the service. Uh, you know, right, right on. Uh, King Jesus. There is no one like him. No one. And, and so my hope and my prayer is that you believe that to the core of your being and approach boldly with an unswerving faith and seek to, 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 to love and care for others uh, as an expression of gratitude for who God is in your life. And my friends, we'll find ourselves at that point living in the kingdom.